Welcome to the Dr. Raj podcast with Dr. Raj Dasgupta, a show all about educating patients, students, and aspiring doctors about better patient care. Dr. Raj is a quadruple board certified physician and associate professor at the University of Southern California. He was a co-host of the TNT series, Chasing the Cure with Ann Curry, as well as a regular on the TV show, The Doctors. And now, here's our show. Hi, Ann. Welcome to the Dr. Raj podcast. So once again, what is this a podcast about? Not really about memorizing, not really about preparing for your board exams, though that is very important. This is the podcast about wellness and happiness and great stories and about really helping others and bringing people on the podcast that like to help out real practical things that parents, people, patients are going through. So because it's my podcast, I get to kind of pick and choose who I want on here. So what am I going through right now? Well, you know, my little girl, and she hates when I say that, her name's Mina, she's not little anymore. You know, she's got braces and I'm going to to the orthodontist. I'm trying to be a good dad. And I think we're almost through with her plan, but I think there's still more time to go. And I know I thought that I can't be the only one going through this. And I think many people have asked questions about races and why do I need to go to the orthodontist? So, you know what? I have a super special guest today that, of course, has to be my friend, but he's just an awesome, outgoing person. And his name is Dr. Tammy Haas. And you know how the routine goes. I have to read his bio, though embarrassing for the other person. It has to be done because he's an amazing person. So Dr. Haas is both an artist and a scientist. I didn't make that up. It's in here. I'm reading it. Uh, Dr. Tammy Haas is a modern day Renaissance man, a classical composer and musician, a renowned orthodontist and entrepreneur on a mission to reinvent the oral health care paradigm in America. Armed with a master's in craniofacial biology from USC, awesome, and a doctorate in dental surgery from UCLA, boo, a <laughs> <laughs> doctorate in orthodontics and dentofacial orthopedics, he founded the Super Dentist, one of the country's leading multi-specialty dental practices with his business partner, his wife. I love that. I love husband and wife things. Over the last 25 years, the Super Dentists have been at the forefront of oral care innovation, utilizing the latest tools and techniques to provide patients with the safest, fastest, and most effective treatments ever. They cut down the time it takes for braces to straighten teeth, thanks to Dr. Haas's invention of Acelodontics, a breakthrough system that realigns the teeth in a fraction of the time required by traditional braces. Additionally, he sits on the board of counselors at UCLA School of Dentistry and is highly sought after for his expert opinion and has been featured on NBC, ABC, CBS, Fox, NPR, and other national affiliates, as well as hundreds of newspapers, magazines, and other media outlets. And of course, one of the most important things why he's here today is because this guy's got a book. It's his first book, and it's called If Your Mouth Can Talk. And the reason why I'm going to kind of take two seconds about this is because the book is special because he's an awesome dude. But I made an endorsement in this book. So when you pick up the book, you see me, my writing on here, and I was very proud to do it. So with that being said, 
Dr. Cami Haas, thank you for being here today. Oh my God, I can just see this is going to be the funnest podcast I've ever been on. This is, I'm already like stopping myself from laughing and falling off the chair. This was such a great introduction. Thank you so much, Raj. And thank you again for endorsing my book. You're such an awesome person to talk to. Uh, all the compliments coming from you just it means the world to me. And I'm really happy to be here. Well, you know, you're not joking. Before we came on the air, you said you're kind of a pro at this. Now you've been doing all of them. You know, knock out these answers. Pretty oh, yeah, we're going to knock them out. After 25 <laughs> years, you know, yeah. I, I'll be shocked if I hear a question that I haven't been answered like at least 100 times. So go for it. I'm ready. <laughs> all right. So here, here's the routine. We're going to get to the meet and greet part. So my first question to you is, you know, we obviously talked behind this out of state, yeah, you know, and you said that you did your undergraduate training at UCLA and you did engineering, but you ended up with a chemistry degree and now you're a dentist. I'm really confused. Can you just help me kind of organize what you're thinking about back then? If, if you think you're confused about my specialty, I think how I, when I learned about that, you're quadruple, you know, certified specialist. I'm like, what? <laughs> How many years did this guy go to school? You know, I thought I went to a lot of college years, but mm -hmm. kidding aside, uh, yes, I started out as an engineer. So my dad is an engineer. Okay. And of course, like that was like probably that seed was planted in my head when I was a kid. You know, I want to be like my dad and follow his footsteps. And then I want to, uh, he's a textile engineer. And so I kind of started taking some textile, chem like chemistry, basically, like general ed classes in college. And then I'm like, you know what? Engineering is not, you know, I love what I love about the American college system is that we have an undergraduate because, mm -hmm. as you know, many countries, they go directly from high school to their, your specialty school. But I think in high school, it's really difficult to know what you want to do. Like I was like, first I wanted to be an architect, then a pilot, then an engineer. And finally, when I was in college, it was when I really got a chance to really learn, you know, what these professions are and talk to a few people in those professions. And then once I did, I'm like, you know what? Engineering is not uh, for me, even though I loved math. Loved it. I loved art. As you know, I'm a musician. And so I kind of like working with my hands. I love people. I like talking to people. I love, I love science. And I'm like, how am I going to put all of this together? And, uh, my wife back then who was, I was dating was my girlfriend back then. Uh, she wanted to be pre-med. So she was undergrad pre-med. I was in room. So we kind of both one night said, you know, we, let's get married. And if we're going to get married, we don't want to like you to go to a different state for medical school. And I have to stay here. So why don't we pick dental school? <laughs> Back then, <laughs> dental school was easier than medical school. So we kind of compromised. We said we go to dental school and we stay in Los Angeles where I was going to, we were both going to UCLA actually uh, in our undergrad. And uh, honestly, uh, when I went to dental school first, uh, the first couple of years, it was kind of like basically passively going through school until we had this guy walk into the classroom one day, a tall guy with a red mustache, and he put a boom box on the counter and he started showing us some slides of before and after orthodontic patients. And I'm like, oh my, after this 10, this is that 10 minute of uh, one day that changed my life. After I saw that slideshow, I, I had found my passion. I quickly moved to the front of the class and I said, I want to be an orthodontist. And I was like the guy who would always ask questions. And I was like, you know, meet after class with teachers and the rest is history. <laughs> well, you know, I'm not going to let you escape more undergrad dental school questions because, you know, you got your DDS, your doctor of dental surgery. And I asked this for all my medical professionals. Now, be honest, what was kind of like your hardest part or subject in dental school? And what was your easiest? Because I got to know you had to have some weaknesses. What, what was like, oh, my God, it's 
anatomy or what, what was the hardest? Part? Great question. Great question. So, um, so when I was in undergrad, I'm terrible in memorization. In fact, my wife says that's the secret to my happiness. I forget things really easily. <laughs> uh, 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 she calls me Dora, you know, that from the cartoon that yeah. you know, forget everything. <laughs> anyway, so, but what I guess my area of strength is I have a big imagination and I understand concepts and I can visualize things. So that part of like in dentistry, uh, I was really good at, you know, prepping a tooth for a crown and, you know, the art part of the dentistry. But the memorization part was the hardest thing, you know, for biology, microbiology, those classes. Uh, I love math. That was the easy one. So math and, so, you know, the physics was easy because I understand vectors and forces and actions and reactions and those basic things. Yeah. But memorization was really my toughest thing. And probably why I didn't become a physician uh, or a <laughs> biologist or a microbiologist. Although I have a degree in creative facial biology, just really, uh, it, it, uh, even, those courses, I enjoyed the part that I understood how the body works and how yeah. one part of the body connects to the other part. Because as you know, in our society, unfortunately, we've forgotten that every part, body part works with other parts and we, we specialize our own fields. And sometimes we just don't go out of our specialty and look at the body as a whole. And I think that's something I admire in you. I know you do that and I try to do that as well. No, we definitely share that in common. I tell my students, fellows, residents that, you know, in trying to become a great healthcare professional, dentist, doctor, whatever it is, is that yes, you know, you, you got to do some memorizing, you know, you, you can't really skirt around it, you got to get certain scores. But the, the true art is like what you said is is the understanding part. And, it, and it's not easy, you know what I mean? And I, I try to emphasize exactly what you believe in. So we, de we definitely share that in common. So let's go back to your pathway, because I, I love your story. So mm -hmm. um, here's the better part, you finally decided to come to USC, you know? And, <laughs> That's right. I yeah. finally got smart. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and, and, and when you became a Trojan, it was because you were doing orthodontics. And I just wanted to hear, you know, being a dentist is awesome to begin with. You know, I love my dentist. She does so many good things. Really? Wow. That's the first I've ever heard that. Usually when I tell people <laughs> I'm a dentist, they're like, I hate you. Ah, <laughs> I, can't, I can't say I'm always happy when I go there, but at least I'm always pain-free when I leave, you know? Yeah, we must have a great dentist. That's wonderful. <laughs> so what made you um, go into orthodontics? The reason why I say that is that I'm sure there's many people listening that you just I just think of my orthodontist as a person that gave me that headgear and these rubber bands. What what motivated you, be, you know, just to do orthodontics in particular? Okay. By the way, we don't do headgears. So <laughs> I just want to be very clear. We're, we're the fun orthodontist. So... To give you uh, really what happened, I, when I was a kid, I have my first two memories of going to the dentist. One is a terrible memory of my dad's dentist pulling out four of my teeth. My mouth was really small and I needed to get braces. On the flip side of it, my best memory is the first time I was at my orthodontist office. He had an aquarium in his office. And to me, as a child, to see an adult with an aquarium in, in their business, I'm like, oh my God, I want to be an orthodontist. This is like, how could you have an aquarium, you know? And to me, that was like, so that seed was planted. So when I, when this gentleman, our, uh, his name was what, Dr. Patrick Chorley, the, the tall guy with the red mustache, uh, he was the chairman of the orthodontic department back then. And so he really, when he showed the emotional and the reason why people get braces, not just the mechanical and the technical part of it, but what what difference we're making in these people's lives, right? With that slideshow. Mm -hmm. That was really what made me be interested. And the fact that orthodontics is more art than it is regular dental, 
whatever you are, a dentist, general dentist, pediatric dentist, periodontist, oral surgeon, you have to give injections. You actually have to cut stuff. With orthodontics, our job is so fun. We, there's no needles. You know, it's all about fun stuff, right? People come to you because they want to look better. They want to feel better. They want to breathe better. They want to have more confidence. So I work with a group of people that are more motivated to come and see me and they don't hate me because I'm a dentist. <laughs> and they're not scared of me because I'm a dentist. So it's a really feel good specialty of dentistry. And so that's really what got me interested in it. And then, as you said, uh, when I was in dental school, I applied to ortho. Back then, I think even today, orthodontics is the most difficult specialty of dentistry to get accepted to. And the oh. reason is, I think, is because it's the most fun and it's probably the most uh, financially, the most rewarding. I think orthodontics probably make the most money in the specialty of dentistry. We have a great lifestyle. You know, we don't have any really major emergencies. The worst we do is like a tooth moves too much this way or we just move it back, right? The stress <laughs> level, the insurance stuff is probably not as stressful as many other fields. So because of all those factors, I think orthodontics has always been difficult. So once I found my passion and I knew I wanted to be an orthodontist, I got really serious about school. And I, you know, I went from like just, you know, I obviously I did fine to get accepted to UCLA and to USC, but I didn't have a passion for what I did, which I'm really excited about. And the reason I keep talking about that is because once you have a passion for something, as you know, it's not work anymore. It's not studying anymore. Yeah. It's not going to work anymore. It's like, it's fun and you get paid and you get good at it because you love it. <laughs> I love that. No. And this is kind of a great segue to this question. So I'm going to fast forward a little bit. Let's talk about your business slash brand. So when I didn't even meet you, when I first heard about you, you were the super dentist, you know, <laughs> and I didn't know you. You are so sweet and adorable. But Thank my you. first thought when I heard this, I'm like, it's one of two things. Number one, wow, this dude is super arrogant. <laughs> <laughs> Or he loves comic books. Now that I know you, it has to be because you love comic books or something like that. And I'll be disappointed if that's not part of your answer. But tell me, why are you the super dentist? I'll tell you the whole story. So okay. when I was growing up, like many kids my age, I loved superheroes. You know, Superman and Batman. You know, Marvel when I was a kid was not around as much. Like it was DC stuff, right? Okay. And so I just was a big fan. And, you know, I used to like pretend I was like a superhero and jump off the table and see if I can fly and all of that. And then when I just saw the brand of the Super Dentist, how it came about was that when I, when we graduated from USC, we went to the, into Kinko's, which I don't know if it exists, but it was like this place you could rent a computer and you could do some graphic yeah. design on it. I took a friend of mine with my wife and we said, Hey, make us a logo. Uh, we're new graduates. We're, I'm an orthodontist. She's a pediatric dentist. He drew us a tooth fairy. And I'm like, no, 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 I don't want a tooth fairy. I don't want like teeth or tooth fairy or smile, something that every other dentist uses, right? I want something original. My wife's last name is Carrie. So she said, what about Tooth Carrie? And then in my mind, I'm like, oh my God, yeah, this is not a fairy. This is a superhero. Mm -hmm. So we took the skirt off of the character. We put okay. the pants on her. We created our first superhero called the Tooth Carrie. And then we started advertising that. We said, hey, come meet the Tooth Carrie or the Tooth Carrie Cares and all of that. And then little by little, that grew. And then based on it, we had a, a general dentist open a practice across the street from us called Tooth Fairy pediatric dentistry okay even though he wasn't a pediatric dentist <laughs> and he obviously wasn't a tooth fairy but he called it <laughs> i thought it was so unfair because i thought he's taking you know kind of like my patients would think that's the same practice because we we were tooth care and she was tooth care. long story short i was very upset kind of like i was kind of threatened felt like oh my god this could be bad for us competition and i was like right. parent, i guess you could say so i told my wife hey Nancy, i want to make a movie 
uh, he said, what do you mean? I said about us. It's like, no one's going to watch a movie about two dentists. I said, no, we're going to make it about superhero dentists. I talked to her, begged her, and she let me do it for free. So I had I hired some patients, you know, asked some patients on some stuff. We shot the movie. It was terrible. Then I went <laughs> and spent $12,000, hired some actors, and we made a movie called The Super Dentist. And this is when the original Incredibles, you know, the cartoon, the Pixar Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. Of when course. that movie came out, the original one. Yeah. I went and talked to a couple of theaters in, in San Diego. They agreed for one weekend to show our short movie called The Super Dentist before The Incredibles. That's awesome. Isn't that awesome? And yeah. we called that whole event The Super Dentist Meet The Incredibles. And so we kind of passed that toothbrushes at the event. And then the Monday when I went to the office, kids would like hit each other and say, hey, that's The Super Dentist. And then I would go to my exam and the parents would say, Dr. Haas, before you start, can we take a picture with you? Or <laughs> give us an autograph? Anyway, yeah. so that's how the Super Dennis was invented. That was a super story. And <laughs> <said> that. <laughs> I love that one. That was great. So my question is about your passion to kids. You know what I mean? You just mentioned you're in front of the Incredibles. How does your passion to kids come into dentistry? You know, why kids? Yeah, I always say we love kids and we love education. Those are my two passions. And so my wife is a pediatric dentist. So needless to say, she loves kids, right? I'm an orthodontist. Of course. Which means so she sees 100% kids. I see 80% kids. Like typically in orthodontics is 80% kids, 20% adults. And that's no different with yeah. me. And so we, we always actually loved, I don't know, just like, uh, I'm a, I guess I have three younger siblings. So I kind of always like was a little bit of a parent relationship to, especially the youngest brother that I have. And uh, we just both had a passion for kids. We were around kids. Who, who doesn't love kids? I mean, kids are so genuine and they're themselves. And we have an opportunity. I like treating adults, don't get me wrong, but with kids, we have an opportunity to, to prevent problems and to do things in an ideal way, right? And kids, doesn't matter what you do, at the end of it, they're going to give you a hug. They're going to say thank you. They understand. You know, parents, you know, adults, sometimes they're like, they complain more and they're just not as <laughs> appreciative of everything that we do because, you know, we all are more sensitive about our mouth and we're just more used to uh, the status quo or oral health and everything. So I've just always loved kids. And then also with kids, you can have just so much more fun, right? Uh, you can. We started creating the super dentist model. We started theming our office. Then we had additional superheroes and villains. And then when we make movies, we have our own music and merchandise. So it kind of gives you all those opportunities to do some amazing things. But really more importantly than any of this is I'm a dad. I have an adorable, almost 10 year old, you know, he's nine, he'll be 10. <laughs> I think before you have a kid, your life is about you, you know, you want to have a good career and meet the right person and financially and you know, go to the gym all the time, whatever <laughs> you do, travel. But then you have your kid and then your life becomes about your kid. And that's what happened to me too. Once we had our child, I'm like, oh my God, what do you need from me? Like my kidney, you know, what can <laughs> I give you today? Yep. And so it just became about him, which also enforced what I was doing in my practice and gave me, gave me more motivation and more incentive to even do more in the area of kids and education. Now, well, tie that together really nicely. So I'm going to start off with, we talked about adults and, you know, sometimes adults don't appreciate things. And the questions I'm going to be asking you are my listeners. So my listeners are mainly adults. So these are some adult <laughs> questions about orthodontics. They, Love it. they were excited that, hey, they're going through what I was going through is that, hey, I'm going to bring my kid to the orthodontics. So here are the questions. Number one, so they want to know what issues does orthodontics treat? They just feel that, is it just about straightening teeth? 
And I think that's a good question. How would you respond to that? It's a great question. So please, let me start by saying it's not just about straightening teeth. In fact, that's the last thing an orthodontist should do, the last thing. But okay. unfortunately, many times is the first and the only thing, right? Because so we can straighten your teeth at any age. Doesn't matter if you're, as long as you have your permanent teeth, right? Because we don't straighten baby teeth. But like this is as early as 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, or as old as 80 years old. My oldest patient was 87, I think, that I treated with braces. And by the way, she was not, it was not her first time she had braces. I think when she was in her 50s and her teeth had moved, but she looked like someone in their 60s. She was traveling. Oh, boy. Sometimes we think and then we believe and then it actually happens because we believe it so much that we're getting old. I'm too old for this or I'm too old for that, but you're never too old to feel better and be healthier and look better and have a great smile and feel more confident and, you know, all of those. So here's what I want to explain. Your mouth is not just the teeth here. Your upper jaw, your maxilla is the floor of your eye or, you know, eyes, the bones of your nose, right? So it impacts the shape of your nose. It's your cheek, half of your cheekbones. And then your lower jaw is the lower third of your face. So it's really your upper jaw and the lower jaw, other than your eyes and your forehead is the rest of your face. So orthodontics and impact literally your everything from airway. What is more important than airway and oxygen intake? Nothing, right? Well said, you're like a pulmonologist now. You know? <laughs> I mean, oxygen for every cell, right? And mm -hmm. it's especially those first few years, as you know, the brain is about 25% of its size at birth. And by, by fifth year, it grows to 90% of its size. So those first five years, oxygen intake during when you're awake, but especially when you sleep, you know, you're a spe sleep specialist, so I'm kind of preaching to the choir, but <laughs> when airway is obstructed because of constricted maxilla and, you know, the airways, which is your mouth is part of your airway, right? The roof of your mouth, your palate is also the floor of your nose. Think of it as a two-story, you know, uh, condominium, right? And so when the upper jaw is narrow and you have a crossbite or a crowding, you automatically should think that this person can't breathe also because their airways and, uh, and the nasal areas are narrow. So we get involved very early if you have an airway issue, if you have a tongue tie to make sure that you, you know, you breathe correct. That's the number one thing. Then as you get older, one of the other things that we want to address way before we address straightening your teeth is your bites. We want to make sure your upper jaw and the lower jaw fit together properly. Now the upper jaw has two sides. That suture that connects the two bones start interlocking and fusing starting at age eight. And by the time kids turn about 10, 11, 12, depending on the age person. And if they're a girl, a little earlier, if they're a boy, a little later, the upper jaws will fuse, you know, technically kind of locks. And then if we have to expand the jaw, we can't do it. So if we're going to, if you have a crossbite or airway issues or bite issues, or you have an open bite or overbite or underbite, we want to address those skeletal bite issues when you're much, much younger, before braces. So those are those listeners who sometimes go to the orthodontist and orthodontist says we have to do what's called phase one. I hate that term because it's such a vague <laughs> term. It really, they should have said we fix the bite first when we can fix the bite. When your jaws are still growing, we have growth. We can actually use some devices to modify that growth. And then we can fix the teeth later. The, the teeth is not time sensitive. You can do it at any age. But the jaw correction, the airway correction is time sensitive. The earlier you do it, the better the result and the more ideal the result we can get and the less expensive and the least amount of time. What awesome question. In fact, I think my little girl, sorry, I called you little again, uh, is in phase yeah. one. Just thank you for a great explanation. Um, so next question, um, how would a parent know that their child 
may need orthodontic treatment. Is it, what, what is it? What are any warning signs or tip tops say, hey, no harm in getting a consultation? Excellent question. First of all, American Association of Orthodontists, AAO, mm -hmm. and the Superdentist, we all recommend <laughs> that every child sees an orthodontist no later than age seven. Okay. I want to emphasize no later than age seven. Means that at the very latest, you should see an orthodontist by age seven. Now, you're going to say, well, what, 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 wait a minute. We're going to put braces on by age seven? As I said, never. I almost never put braces on a seven year old, eight or, or even, I put braces on when all the permanent teeth come in, which is 12 or 13. Then why do we need to see people before seven, like five, six? Is because we want to check the airway. We want to check the bite. We want to make sure that all the teeth are erupting. We want to make sure we have space for all the teeth. Make sure there's no habits, like we suck your thumb. Uh, it could completely change the way your face grows. You literally, your mouth grows around your tongue. So if your tongue is growing correctly and you posture it correctly and it goes around against the palate and you can breathe through your nose, then everything's growing normally. But if your thumb is in there all the time or you have another finger or you have a pacifier or you have other habits, then it completely changes the way your mouth and then therefore your face is growing. So all of those things an orthodontist can address and the earlier they see it, the easier they're going to be able to address it and get an ideal result for you and your child. Once if my child still has baby teeth, how does that throw a curveball into your plan? Yeah. So uh, what I want your listeners to think about is forget about teeth. In fact, the name of my specialty is orthodontics and dentofacial orthopedics. But usually people just, because such a long name of my specialty, like, what are you? I'm an orthodontist and a dentofacial orthopedist. Like, we all say we're an orthodontist. Now, orthodontist is about the teeth part. But dentofacial orthopedics is about the jaw part. Okay. And that's the part that I want to emphasize, that we're jaw and growth and developmental experts more than we're just tooth strainers. Okay. And the tooth straightening is the easiest piece. Okay. But I think because there's just so much attention given to aesthetics and, and like, you know, aligners these days and just so much marketing and just getting your front teeth straightened, people have forgotten that your mouth is more than just your front teeth that you want to straighten. So I want you to really think about orthodontics is your bite, amount of space, tooth eruption, habits, you know, crowding, airway. And then we worry about teeth later at the very end of it when all the bite is in the right place, everything's falling into place. We do the final touches with getting the aesthetics of your teeth. So with that being said, we have to fast forward to a, a, a braces question. I know that we're not really focusing on that too much, but hey, the listeners want to know. Sure. So one question is really straightforward. How do braces work? They want to just, how would you say that? Is it just really aligning it, everything together? Is there more to how braces kind of- get Great question. Product? Great question. So yep. there are a few different types of braces, but typically this is what's going to happen. Okay. Think of braces as a handle on the teeth. The teeth have a very flat, smooth surface, right? Mm -hmm. So imagine if you wanted to open a cupboard, you know, like a cabinet. You can't do it if there's no handle on it, right? So no. the brace is a handle that we put on the tooth. And then your my hand that would grab the handle of the cabinet yep. is a wire. Okay. So that wire that we put on the bracket, that was part of the braces that goes on the teeth, we glue it on, it's called bracket. And then the wire is what's actually moving it. So think of that as... So this wire, uh, let's just say your teeth are crooked. The wire has this shape and the new technologies, we use these wires that have memory wires, like nickel titanium or different materials. And as we tie them into these brackets, they become crooked. But as they go back to their original U-shaped size, because they have a memory, they move the teeth with it in that direction. 
this is a newer technology. In the old days, you would have to grow. I mean, not, I shouldn't say in the old days. There's still some orthodontists that use a traditional system. Traditionals are the ones that you grow orthodontists once a month, they tighten them. <laughs> and the reason they tighten them is yes. because they don't use a newer technology that's what we call self-adjusting braces, which is oh. a newer technology. And then they have to constantly get the wire closer to the tooth one step at a time. And that's why you have to go to orthodontist once a month and your teeth hurt for a couple of days. But if you use a newer technology, which is more what we call self-adjusting or self-tightening, then the orthodontist doesn't have to do any tightening. These wires, they reshape to the current position of your teeth. But as they're kind of moving back to the original position of that beautiful U-shape, they move the teeth gradually into the ideal positions. I'm going to have so many great questions next time I bring my daughter to the orthodontist. I love it. I know. You're going to is that, is that a, are you thinking minute, about a memory wire over here? I know. You're like, what kind of wires are you using? Is this self-adjusting <laughs> braces or traditional braces? By the way, well, one more step beyond that. Is, so we uh-huh. have traditionals. On, I think they still have more than half of the country uses traditional just because they're cheaper. Honestly, they're less expensive sure. upper brackets. Newer ones are self-adjusting. There's a, even a newer way, which means we can use the self-adjusting, but then there's these technologies that we can accelerate tooth movement. Okay. And so uh, we have a company called Accelodonics, as, as you said, we actually just got some patents on a new braces that we've invented that they're going to reduce not only treatment time and they're going to shorten it, but they're going to also reduce the treatment number of visits because really, as a dad, you know, you, you're busy. I'm busy. If you're a mom, you, you, you work as a parent, you know, some of mm-hmm. us work outside, some of us work in the house, some of us are full-time parents, which is the hardest work. And so <laughs> it's hard to take every month with the orthodontist for an hour. You take your kid out of the school. So all these technologies not only shorten the total treatment time, but they minimize the number of times that you have to go to the orthodontist, especially in Los Angeles in that four or five traffic, sit in the car and then sit in the reception room and sit in the chair. If you can, go from 16 visits to eight or four, it's yeah. really works for all us busy parents. <laughs> well, let, let me do one last question. We'll go back to my usual uh, barrage. This one's from my daughter. And I, I told her that I was interviewing you today. And so she wanted to hear it from your mouth because, uh, so what foods <laughs> does she have to avoid if she gets braces? You know, I'm a, I'm a dad, mm-hmm. so I'm a practical person, right? So generally speaking, when you get braces, you want to avoid sticky and hard foods. Now, I don't want to say let's go go overboard. So the reason is hard foods like almonds, you know, crunchy foods, they can break off your bracket, right? And God forbid, if it's stuck really good to your teeth, it could potentially fracture your enamel. I mean, I've seen it. It doesn't happen very often because usually great, you know, orthodontists use materials that the bracket comes off first before it damages your teeth, right? You know, so we're very careful about that. Yeah. But for the sticky stuff is because they stick to your teeth and braces and then they're harder to clean and then they can cause cavities as a gummy bear and, you know, uh, I don't know, jaw breakers and those things. Uh, so, Sour Patch Kids. Sour Patch Kids. loves you know, those. Exactly. <laughs> but, but again, I'm reasonable, you know, yeah. if you want to once in a while, you just be careful because okay. if, if a bracket comes off, it could reverse the treatment for a month or two because the orthodontist, <sighs> It's really difficult to put it exactly where they originally put it. And then sometimes, depending on what wire sequence they're in, they may have to reverse the treatment for a couple of months or a couple of weeks. So I think we just be reasonable. I've had braces twice, you know, and I pretty much <laughs> ate everything because I was just careful not to really too hard. And even if I'm going to eat something hard, just be a little bit extra careful with it. That's all. So now that everyone knows you have the knowledge. So I think this is a great way to talk about 
your book, If Your Mouth Could Talk. So can you just tell me about the motivation about the, behind the book? And tell me, was this easy experience? Would you never want to write a book again? <laughs> I mean, um, in, let me start with the latter question. Okay. I loved it. In fact, it was one of the most amazing experiences I've ever had. And it's led already to so many amazing things in my life. So many opportunities. Like I made you through this. I wouldn't have met you. Seriously. I love the way you think. No, I, I really mean it. Mm -hmm. I'm on the board of counselors, as you mentioned, on UCLA. Mm -hmm. I mean, the dean of UCLA gave me a blurb for my book. We kind of, we, and now like I just literally was giving a presentation to their fourth year students a few hours ago. I'm launching a new oral care product company in about three months. Which wow. I think is going to revolutionize oral care and by extension, healthcare. And it wasn't, I wouldn't have done it if I hadn't written the book. So it just was an amazing experience. I, I, I started with this one idea of, to answer your first question, why I wrote the book is because after 25 years of doing this, well, back then it was like 20, I started writing it in 2018. <laughs> it was after 20 some years, I was very frustrated that people looked at your mouth as just a collection of dead teeth that you just need to brush it twice a day and go to the dentist twice a year. And they thought, well, what's the biggest deal? You get a cavity and the dentist will fill it. Or you just get some crooked teeth and you straighten it. I think because of our teaching institutions, you know, dental schools and medical schools being separate, it starts from there. We all, even professionals and the public, we've all forgotten that your mouth is connected to your body and it's actually the only major opening to your body and everything that enters the body goes through your mouth. That means it impacts everything. You know, your mouth is, is continuous with your trachea and your lungs, right? It's continuous with your GI tract. It's connected to almost every chronic disease out there. There are more findings. Every studies are coming out on a daily, monthly basis, connecting to another chronic disease. So originally, my idea was just to write a book about the connection of oral health to chronic disease. But out of the 200 pages of the book, that's now the last 20 pages. Once I started writing it, the one thing I'm like, wait a minute, if I want to explain this, I have to explain that. I spent really several years reading hundreds of books and citations or articles and really get, got my education even much, much broader. And then the other thing was I was very lucky because I've worked in a group dental practice. So I've had that privilege of working with other specialists so I can look at things outside of my own specialty. And that's one of the things I admire about you is because being a multi-specialty person, you can view the person as a whole person, which is a much different way. As I, I've seen too many specialists, they only focus on their one specialty and they forget they can't see the big picture. They're so focused in that specialty and they only study the research in their very specific field that they forget that how everything else works together and what's the big picture here and what is the best for this person as a whole, not that for that specific thing. So because of all that, I'm really excited that I wrote this book and I feel like I hope that it's going to be received by the public the same way that I wanted, which is really they're going to really value their oral health so much more because who doesn't want to be healthier? happier and more successful. And who doesn't want to raise healthier, happier, and more successful kids? And your oral health is connected to all of these in a dramatic way. Well, let me say, I obviously read your book and I focused on the sleep parts of it. And I got to tell you, I'm not just saying this because you're, you're my guest today, is that the book is super easy to read. It's almost like a really nice bedtime story. It really is geared where it talks about what parents go through, which I love in the beginning. But the sleep parts, like I couldn't believe I'm reading about insomnias and parasomnias and all these other things that you put in there. 
which I thought was only about obstructive sleep apnea. And I love how you kind of integrated everything. It shows a passion for what you said over and over again in this podcast, which is it's not just about straightening teeth. That's what my impression of the book is. And you really are a really good way of like letting people know that, hey, everything is interconnected. And maybe one of the biggest pieces to putting the puzzle together is your mouth. So well done on the book. So what are your goals in the future? Now that you have all these things, you got the book out there, you have a business, new technology coming out. Are you going to start the Avengers or something now? Are you <laughs> Justice League with your costumes? What's the next thing that we have in store for Dr. Cami Haas? I love it. So yeah, why not? We actually have a movie coming out called The Rise <laughs> of Supermouth. I'm not kidding. So we, <laughs> I, okay, I bet you're pulling a fast one off. Um, we're actually going to be premiering it either in the Chinese theater. It's going to be like in July, uh, uh, August timeline. It's a 30 minute movie, but I try not to do anything unless I feel like it's like on par with a really quality movie. I hope you're going to just say, watch this and say, Oh my God, this is like one of the nicest movies. It's, you're going to cry. You're going to laugh. It is a superhero movie, but we put a lot of heart in, you know, it's got amazing music, amazing acting, amazing storytelling. Because people, 30 to 40 million Americans hate the dentist and have dental phobia, right? So if we want to do dentistry and talk about the mouth, just like everybody's done in the past, we're not going to change, make it dent. We want to make it fun and entertaining, exciting. So kids grow up loving taking care of their mouth and going to the dentist. And so my next chapter in my life, I hope that I can make a big difference. I feel like, I feel like I have, we come up with a solution to this disease, which is hating the dentist and being fearful of your mouth and the dentist. And we found a solution to it, which is really a process that we call it super. That's S-U-P-E-R. It's completely safe. All of our products, they're mm -hmm. unified. They work together as a system. They're playful, you know, with oh. music and storytelling. And then they're effective because none of that matter if they don't work. And they are reputable. It comes from a source that are educated. We are like experts in oral care. Versus like hearing, Googling your inform <laughs> dental information or hearing it from a social media influencer. So I just like, I, after 25 years, I have never been more excited about the possibility of us being able to change the world in a small way about having the next generation of kids growing up, loving their mouth and having a healthier mouth and by extension, having a healthier and happier life. By the way, I love that super acronym. I mean, you just pulled that one out of nowhere. <laughs> well, the S is for, I'm like, what? I love it. But Thank okay, you. I know they, I'm already tearing up a little bit because this is my last question, but it's probably the most important, which is, do you have a website? Can you rattle off a couple of social media handles? And of course, uh, I know your book is out already and I'm so proud of you. Where can they kind of research to get one? Of course, you know, I'm going to put all your information on the show notes for this podcast, but can you plug yourself a little bit for me? Thank you. Sure. So they can go to my practice is thesuperdentists.com, plural, thesuperdentists.com or drkamihaas.com, D-R-K-M-I-H-O-S-S.com. Or uh, they could, of course, buy my book on uh, everywhere, any your favorite bookstore, as long as you live in all the English speaking countries like US, Canada and <laughs> UK and uh, like Barnes and Noble or on Amazon. Of course, we actually just hit on our first day, the Amazon bestseller. So I'm really excited about that. Thank you again. Maybe it was because your name was right on the back of the cover. So that kind of went a long way. I really would love for people to read the book and uh, really just my small way of giving back, you know, after all these years of being in such a great profession. You know, I, I've never regretted going to dental school, not going to medical school, you know, so you know, <laughs> that was back, 
back then when I applied, it was kind of more like, you know, it was, I thought it was, I was like, it was a compromise in my head, but really once I became a dentist, became an orthodontist, I just loved every minute of it. So yeah, so Amazon, Barnes & Noble, all those places, uh, the book is available and I really appreciate you giving me the opportunity to come and speak with you today. Are you kidding me? I kind of wish that you were my orthodontist when I was growing up. I had barbaric headgears and all this <laughs> stuff and you're just so pleasant to be around. Maybe one day um, you could maybe find it in your heart to make a superhero character out of me to join your your Farage. I love it. Episode like a little team up episode or something. You want to be a superhero or super villain? Which one is your? I don't know, man. I don't. I, I think I want to be a good role model superhero. Like all right, all right. Our, <laughs> our villain's name is Cavatar. You know, our main that, that's awesome. <laughs> and the, my the kids in my practice. So we have like we have superhero merchandise like T-shirts and hats and products and merchandise. We usually or have as much interest in our superhero products as we do in our super villain products. No, uh, the, I, the story is that he went to dental school with su our super dentist and he failed dental school. So okay. that's why he, he's become a villain. He, now he works in a candy store, grabbing <laughs> ice cream truck and he wants the uh, sugar to rule the universe. So that's his like his passion, his mission. And so anyway, so Cavatar, so I'm just, I'm just saying, you know, if you want to become a super villain, don't feel bad, you know, don't feel it. bad. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Well, hey, anyways, thank you again for coming on the podcast. I hope everyone enjoys today's podcast. You can't see it, but I have a huge smile on my face. Stay tuned for more episodes of the Dr. Raj podcast. And thank you again, Dr. Cami Haas, for being here. Likewise. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening. This has been a production of Ars Longa Media. Our producers are Madison Linden and Chris Brightigan. Our executive producer is Dr. Patrick Beeman. This podcast is for educational purposes only and not intended for medical advice. Ars Longa, Vita Brevis.